In Ubatuba, Brazil, there's a grassy strip of land wedged between the road and the ocean. This plaza has held a few different names over time, but today... The, the people gave their name Whale Square. Whale Square. And it's called that because there's a massive skeleton of a humpback whale mounted on these towering iron poles, its mouth slightly open as it faces oncoming traffic. And if you were driving by, you might dismiss it as a roadside attraction or a 55-foot-long strategy to get people into the nearby aquarium. But there's a story here. Actually, two. The whale these bones once belonged to? Its fate is believed to be linked to another's. Their stories, distinct but intertwined, in the sky and in the sea, in life and in death and in the gray place between. I'm Abby Peralt, and this is Atlas Obscura, a daily celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we'll dig into the tales of two whales washing ashore along the southeastern coast of Brazil. And we'll hear how one became a scientific marvel, and the other a local landmark. After this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. One summer day, Hugo Gallo got a call. We was uh, called to rescue this whale in, in 2000. This young whale, humpback whale. When someone calls in a whale in distress along the coast of Sao Paulo... Ugo is often the guy on the other end of the line. He's the director of the Ubatuba Aquarium and the president of an organization that does a lot of coastal and marine conservation work called the Instituto Argonata. And his work often involves humpback whales, especially as they begin making their annual migration north along the coast of Brazil, with some not making it and beaching along the way. There is uh, collisions with boats, and some can strand in fishing nets. Because these whales are so often in bad shape prior to winding up on a beach, Hugo says there's a kind of consensus among a lot of biologists that if a humpback gets trapped on shore, there's often no point in trying to rescue it. The process of refloating it without injuring it further is tricky, and its chances of survival in the wild are low. 
But this time, when he and his team arrived at Bonete Beach, they saw that the whale was still alive. And it looked okay. It was a teenager, and it wasn't showing signs of serious injury. Hugo thought rescuing this humpback was worth a shot. We asked to the firemen department uh, a help with the, the ships, and we have done uh, a new strategy using the tide to help us. The whale was partly in the water and partly stranded on the beach. So the team decided to wait until high tide, when the water would start trickling in beneath the whale, making it easier to move. Once the whale started floating, they slipped a rope beneath its body and tied it, kind of like a leash. They used two boats to gently guide the whale out to sea, until it shed the rope and began swimming on its own. And then they noticed something strange. The whale seemed to be following one of the ships, really closely. And the captain called me and, and said, look, I don't know what to do because we are going to the port and the whale is going together. And so I said to him, no, please go to the, to the high sea. So the ship headed out into the open ocean, the humpback whale right beside it. It wasn't until the boat cut its engine that the whale finally swam off. It was weird, the way the whale had pursued the boat. But... Just two weeks later, Hugo got another call. Someone had spotted a whale, this time dead, floating right off the coast of a different beach, Praia Grande, a bit further south. We was worried about if, if it was the same whale. But to his relief, when he got there, he saw it was a different whale. It was a female and very old, probably died by natural causes. She was bigger. A lot bigger. This whale is 17 meters long. Almost the highest length for a female. That's maybe the length of one and a half school buses lined up. But that's when Ugo started to put two and two together. The younger, smaller whale, the one they'd rescued, was migrating alongside this older one, he thinks. He doesn't know if they were mother and son. Usually humpbacks don't swim with their calves for that long. But he thinks that when this older, bigger humpback started struggling, the younger one lost its way. This time, when Ugo arrived on the scene, the question wasn't whether to try to save the whale. It was clear she'd already died. The question was what to do with this really, really big whale carcass. Hugo says usually the best thing to do is to tow it away with a boat and then try to emulate what happens naturally when a whale dies. And so you can uh, bring it to a non-populated place. We put an anchor and the body, uh, it's dissolved by the sea, by the animals, by sharks, by uh, birds, and so we can we can solve the problem without costs, without problems. The carcass falls to the floor, where it's eaten by fish and broken down by bacteria that attract all sorts of other creatures. A whole ecosystem bursting forth from a single body. It's called whale fall. And at first, the city agreed to tow the carcass out to sea. In the next day, we discovered that they, they don't find any boats to, to bring the whale. And by then, 
The massive whale had been stranded on the beach. In the most populated beach in Ubatuba, Praia Grande. Now that the humpback was on the beach, it was going to be a lot harder to move. When, when the whale is floating, it's light. The problem is when it is in, in the sand. Okay, it's very heavy. <laughs> and there was another problem. The smell was so bad that nobody wants to stay in the beach. It's a very, very bad smell. So, here's this 55-foot body of a whale in the middle of this immensely popular beach, emitting some serious smells and growing more dangerous by the day. Because, you see, stranded whale carcasses have been known to, on occasion, explode. As the body of the whale begins to break down, its organs start emitting gases. And these gases start to build up and are trapped by the thick layer of blubber. And the body can swell like a volatile balloon of gas and sometimes erupt. And oddly enough, people have blown up whale bodies intentionally with dynamite. Dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. The hope was that the long dead... There's a kind of infamous case of this from 1970. And it took place in Oregon and was filmed by a local news crew. Decades later, it found its way to YouTube, naturally, and now has over 11 million views. But the explosion, it didn't end well. But back to Hugo and the humpback in Brazil. They were struggling to figure out what to do with the carcass. Hugo suggested they bury it, but city officials were hesitant at first, afraid the smell would hover over its grave like a stinky ghost. It was a, 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 like a, a, a novel. They tried to, to put in, in a truck. I said to them, look, you're going to bury the, the truck and the way Hugo says they tried cutting it up, even attempted the whole explosion thing. They tried many things. None of them worked. So the whale stayed for two weeks. Finally, the city decided to bury the whale where she lay on the beach. They got a hold of some serious equipment. Uh, big, big machines, and indeed in to, to roll the whale until the, the hole. They dug deep into the sand, and Hugo says they used one machine to push and the other to pull, and did this for a while until the body kind of rolled in. They added some chemicals to dampen the smell, and then they buried it. The smell eventually dissipated, the beachgoers and business returned, and for years, that's where the body of the old humpback whale stayed. People more or less forgot about her. For nearly a decade, Ugo didn't hear anything about either of the two humpbacks who were lost in migration. They stayed out of sight and out of mind, one underground, the other at sea. And then, he got word that the city of Praia Grande was going to pave a street along the upper part of the beach. 
It would run directly above the burial site of the old humpback, sealing her in a sandy tomb. And he thought, well, wait a second. And we wanted to rescue the, the skeleton to, to build it in the, in the square. The carcass of this humpback, Hugo thought, which had once been seen as a huge, unmovable problem, could now become this really powerful tool. A way for people to get close to a creature that's more often deep beneath the waves, out of sight for humans. So he gathered up his team of biologists from the Institute and staff from the aquarium and headed back down to the beach. But when they dug maybe 10 feet into the ground, they were met with a weird, kind of horrifying surprise. We saw that the whale was still preserved. No, no, not whole, but a lot of, uh, especially fat and blood and... Those chemicals they'd added to the grave when they'd buried the whale had backfired, actually preserving the body and the smell. The, the bad smell was there. It was also a problem of health because there is risk of contamination with bacteria and viruses and things like that. It was a very hard work to do. Hard, dangerous, smelly work. And so we, we take the way of out of the hole in, in pieces and in, in parts, and we put inside the truck, and the truck bring it to to a farm, a place far from the city, and so we need to boil these bones in a, in, in huge tanks. They did this to remove all whale remnants from the bones. It took them over a month to exhume the entire whale, and even longer to assemble and mount the bones. Around the same time, the younger male whale resurfaced too. This time in northeastern Brazil, at a breeding site. Researchers recognized the teenage humpback by its tail, which Hugo says is kind of like a fingerprint for whales. And we checked it by DNA samples, and we confirmed that was the animal that we saved. Not only did they see this whale they'd rescued years ago, but it seemed to be doing really well, living totally normally. Hugo says at the time it was unprecedented. That was one of the longest documented survivals of a beached humpback in the wild. It was maybe the first case of this kind. That's why it's so important to tell this story, because everybody says in the scientific field, oh, it's a lot of work to rescue a whale that was sick or it was old or there is a problem. But it was not the case. It was one, one case that was really successful and the animal could keep their life. Thank you so much to Hugo Gallo for taking the time to talk whales with us. 
This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Manolo Morales. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Abby Peralt. Thanks for joining me. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Listen.